0: Hello guys, David Voss here. Well, it's beautiful out today here in Alabama. It's kind of sunny and pleasant, although it's still cold. looks like winter is here. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Well, you know, I was going to do that video yesterday. Um, I got caught up in a bunch of stuff, but... You know, I- I'm going to go ahead today and do that video about... Nimrod, about Babylon, Samiramis. You know, I, I know there are a lot of misconceptions about this, but you would be surprised at how many misconceptions there are. I mean, just about everything we've ever heard about anything is just about wrong. And most of what we get from, I think, people's impressions, like, especially with me, and I imagine with Adventists and stuff, and, and they spread it. Jehovah's Witnesses have spread this everywhere. Oh, the devil has his tentacles into everything. But along about that time when the devil had decided to destroy Christianity, and he has, and whenever I say that, even that's a mental block because people are thinking Christianity, oh, Baptists, Lutherans. Oh, they've destroyed the Lutherans. No, the Lutherans are the destruction, you see. And they said, what about Jehovah's Witnesses? I thought they were the bad guys. Well, them, they spearheaded a lot of this. But they took Christianity, which wasn't anything like Lutheran, or modern Baptist Church of Christ, or whatever. I mean, this is how bad it is when the Church of Christ says, we don't have any headquarters, we don't publish books, we only use the Bible, and we only go by the Bible. They won't even sing songs, because it's not in the Bible. Which is kind of weird, because it is in the Bible. They had trumpets and harps, and the, the disciples sang hymns with the Lord. I don't know if they're not allowed to use music or what, that's ridiculous, but... It's kind of like the, what would you say, the, the, the zeal of people who will who be so zealous for detailed little things and, and yet not be zealous for truth. It's so one thing to say, no, that's what it says. I'm zealous for that. We've got to do that because that's what it says. Women shall wear veils and be beaten every day. Therefore, but if you want the truth, you'll look into the entire context. Christians haven't done that for a long time because they've been following a narrative. And so, yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses were one of the main groups that were commissioned, financed, to spread the world with pamphlets. They've convinced everybody that the true deity is Jehovah. And now Lutherans and Baptists believe that. But actually, Baptists came from the Anabaptists, which were Cathars, and they didn't believe that at all. So, yeah, in the last couple hundred years, Christianity has steadily become even when I was a kid, if you tell somebody that you worship Jehovah most Christians would think you're talking about the devil and I know that for a fact a lot of you today don't know that because maybe you're too young or you don't, you know, you didn't pay attention, but you know Christians, because most people today don't even know anything about Christianity they only know what they've heard from whatever books they can find that's bread out there, and they might not have even read the books, but the books get into the psyche of the leaders. So the people that are preaching today, these Christian organizations are teaching from what they have come to believe is true. So if the financiers are financing Job's Witnesses and publishing tracts, and they're putting out their own version of New Age, and they got Theosophical Societies and and Watchtower societies and other groups that go off and start Hollywood. And they they promote, they, they even promote scholars that, that promote the Masoretic scribes, which the Jehovah's Witnesses put down in their own special New World Order book called the Bible, their translation, which highlights these false translations and false lies and things that people have been telling. So one of the things... Back when I don't know exactly when the book was written, but it's kind of been a a staple for a lot of these modern zealots, these cults like Job's Witnesses and modern Mormons and Adventists, and yeah, it's even gone to the Baptists now, and they're they're spreading these things. That that there was a book that was written by Hislop. I don't remember his first name now, but he wrote the book called The Two Babylon's, and in the book he Began he, he the theme of the book was that Christianity today is wrong because we celebrate Christmas or Easter immediately. I mean, this is so ingrained in Christians today. This is how now think about this. Originally, Christians did they we were the Gentiles, the pagans. Okay. Jesus wasn't a Judean. He taught against they didn't keep the Sabbath. He didn't believe in their deity um nothing you know he he was born of a virgin he went to death and hell and overcome hell and death that's a christian deity teaching where that christian teaching came from we'll we'll discuss but Modern Christianity wants to believe that Jesus was a Judean. He comes in and he, he saw Jews who weren't keeping the law correctly. And he, 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 he said and they were hypocrites because they weren't understanding that the law was the truth. And they were making up an oral tradition and not following the law of Moses. And that was what he condemned them for. The fact is that Jesus said, your father is the devil. I won't keep your Sabbath. Don't stone that woman. And then they'd stoned him for blasphemy because he said he was one with the Father. And if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And they said it was blasphemy. But well, where do we hear these kinds of teachings? They weren't from Judeans at all. That's why they stoned him. They condemned him under the law. It was a legal arrangement to murder Jesus. In their law, anyone who was a blasphemer had to be hung up on a cross. So they did the right thing according to their deity. Jesus condemned them and their deity. And he said his father was from above. And they said, who is your father? He said, well, if you'd known me, you'd known my father. But you don't know me. Okay? And you don't know my father. And you never have. And you killed all the prophets. And the blood of righteous Abel, all the way down to Zacharias, who was killed between the altar and the temple, will be upon you. And when Jesus died, the, the, they said, the Judeans, may his blood be upon us and our children. So this goes down, not just before, all the way back to Abel. All the blood that was ever spilt was to be upon them. But they admitted that it would be upon them and their children. So even today, they're responsible. And what is it? Who are they? Well, they are the ones who follow the other side, the other teaching. So we have two teachings. One's the Old and one's the New. The Old Testament, the New Testament. The old deity, the new deity. The war and genocide and love and turning of the cheek. Uh, Hate, the deity of jealousy or hate. I am jealous, that is my name. Where our Heavenly Father is love. There is no darkness in Him. You know, love is the complete opposite of hate. And there is no jealousy in love, according to the Apostle Paul in chapter 13 of Corinthians. So, we have an absolute, complete difference here. We have Judaism and we have the Gentiles, the Bible says. The gospel went to the Gentiles because the Judeans were blind and had rejected it. So, Jesus then didn't just fix Judaism, but he abolished it. He came to do away with the darkness. You see? And so he went into the temple, which is your body, and he took out that vile Um, that disgusting thing, the abomination, the lie. They killed animals and they bled them out and poured their blood. And we're going to find out today what it really and truly means that we're saved in the blood of Jesus. I know it sounds so crazy because we've been lied to about so many things. But let me start here. So the pagan or Gentile teaching, which is, now remember, what are the Gentiles? We're not just one group. Like Judeans, it's just one kingdom. But the Gentiles are many nations, tribes, and peoples and tongues, and they have different religions. They all come from one thing. It's the Melchizedek priesthood, and we'll show you that. The Aaronic priesthood was an appendage. So when Moses met Jethro, Ruel, he was a Midianite. Okay, and they were from the east, from Keturah. So everybody's from Abraham. Everybody's from Abraham. All the religions. Abraham had many wives, and they ended up having many children. And they were, and so in the Bible it says Abraham would be a father of a multitude of nations, many, all the nations. And Paul says he's the father of faith. So we have basically a religious order, the true order from Abraham that we find with the Midianites, we find up in Persia, Zoroastrianism some believe that Zoro Zoroaster was Abraham himself others believe it was Nimrod or you could even say Daniel, at least Daniel certainly was the head of the Magi which is the Zoroastrian religion when he went in about 600 Uh, BC, he became the head of it and a type so we have two different Zoroastres there's the original uh, Mithraism and then there's, it turns into some kind of Zoroastrianism so we have an, um, an older Zoroaster or Mithras perhaps, that may go back to the days of Abraham or Nimrod and this is where the confusion comes in. And we have another person that is considered Zoroaster in around 600 B.C. That was probably Daniel. So there may actually be two of these individuals that that people confuse and, and, and uh, understand to be these Persian religion. They have the Vedas, and I believe that I'm going to do some research into the Vedas Because actually, I've never read the Vedas, like I've read the Bible. I haven't studied it and looked at it. And I and I'm the Holy Spirit tells me that when I do, I'm going to learn a lot of stuff because I believe that's that religion that's in the north is the Melchizedek priesthood. Now it's in everywhere, you know. This Melchizedek line, Uh, Buddhism is Ezekiel. We've talked about that. The Quran tells us that we've got Shintoism. They follow all these teachings about the Samurai priest, Samaria. And in fact, one of the names of Samiramus, which is Samiriamus, is Samu. And Samura, something like that. So it may go back to her. You know, remember the, the woman at the well that was a Samaritan that Jesus spoke of and she said well we have our own religion in this mountain and you worship in that mountain where the Judeans do and Jesus said neither in this mountain nor in that mountain because we're not talking about you know religion we're not talking about here or there but it's in your heart the kingdom of God is within you but that religion that mountain that that woman at the well was talking about that religion was the Melchizedek priesthood and it was in all the world but it came and started there from beth el the house of el and originally before that it was at babel which is the gate bab of el the gate of el is where they went to get knowledge to become like the divine being and at that location this what what the genesis chapter 6 calls a tower they built a, a tower and in the in the original greek and he well. And in the original language there it's called amygdal. So you can translate that Magdal or Migdal. So what is amygdal? Well it's translated tower. And so when Jesus comes along, just as all the others, Noah had Naamah, the daughter of Cain, with his wife. Uh, Joshua took Rahab the harlot who was from Jericho which was a Canaanite you got Tamar the harlot that had relations with Judah you have uh, Ruth who was the wife of Elam Molech the L of Molech or the deity Molech We'll, we'll talk about who Molek is. I don't know if we'll get into this. We've talked a little bit about that. But Naamah, who was married to El-Molech, or El-Molech, Naamah is the same name as Naamah that Noah married. So it's, it's they, use, they, they rename themselves. You can always tell a lot by the names in the Bible. It's telling you a story. So Jesus' father was Joseph because he was of the line of Joseph. And David was the son of Jesse, who was the son of the Ephraimite, or Ephraim. And so this is why it says that uh, Judah of Ephratah, you are too little to be among the thousands of Judah. So Ephraim, or, or, or I should say Bethlehem of Ephratah, you are too little to be among the thousands of Judah. I think it's in Micah. Chapter five, actually, Micah chapter five is a very important scripture that I want to talk about because it mentions Nimrod. Uh, coincidentally, I, I wasn't even thinking of that, but but it also mentions this Bethlehem where Jesus was born, as a as Bethlehem of Ephraim. They they just translated Ephratah because most people have never really understood the difference between an Ephraimite and an and from Ephraim. It's just different tenses of the same same person. There was a city of Ephratah. In fact, Bethlehem was originally called Ephratah because it was a city of Ephraim. But it was on the border with Ephraim and Judah. And it could have been a city of Judah, but it was too little to be among the thousands of Judah. So it was given, being on the border, it was given to Ephraim. Now, the people that were born in Bethlehem were kings from this Elimelech and Naomi, or Nehemiah, who is the Canaanite, right? And who, as we'll see, is the Melchizedek priesthood because it is not from the Aaronite priesthood. It is the deity El, Melech. And the tent of Melech was not, not uh, supposed to be defiled with the laws and the blood and the worship of idols, as it says in Acts chapter 7. They carried the tent of Molech, but they defiled it by worshiping the star of the Rephaim, or the spirits of the dead, the giants, And they had their star, and their idols, and they sacrificed animals. And this was an abomination, so Jesus, when he cleansed the sanctuary, went in and stopped all animal sacrifice, and the changing of money, which very interestingly has a connection. You see, the world that we live in is a world of death and murder. And it's also, the root of all of that is money. Isn't that interesting? It's not really about worshipping our Heavenly Father. It's worshipping the devil. And what does that mean? W- worshipping your belly. So, the kings that were born then were all of the line of Judah. Because it was originally of the area of there's another scripture or verse in the Bible, a couple that say, "Bethlehem of Judah," because it was of Judah, but it was, the Ephraimites were allowed to live there. And why is because of the Book of Ruth, because Naomi and Elimelech they they had an heir who died, they had two sons and both of them died, and the 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 heir had a wife named Ruth, but she wasn't even an Israelite. But when they died, there was no seed to raise up. So they went and did the liverite marriage and went and got Boaz, who was Judea. So this is why in the Bible it says, Judah shall have the scepter until he who comes who has the legal right. And in other translations, it, it translates that better. And it says the one who has the legal right is the one who is Shiloh, who is to come, which is a particular child, which would be the Christ, which is the place where the tent of Moloch was resting at Shiloh. It is that Selah, or Shalom, which is the city of peace. And we'll find that in the Septuagint, the correct version of the Bible, it mentions it as a child who produced Melchizedek. However, how did this true priesthood of Melchizedek get all over the world? With Midian, all the way to Japan, with the Shinto religion, the Samurai priests, and all over the world. I mean, uh, Buddhism and and Hinduism all over the world and perhaps even in uh, South America, you know, with the, the Mayan tribes and all the the Gentiles all over the world, the Druids, all have this information that is completely the same. I mean, they all have astrology. They all follow the... The, the the gospel that's written in the stars, right? And this Orion that comes up on the horizon, Horus, who rises. And today, Christians are told that sun worship, that's idolatry. But where in the Bible does it ever say that acknowledging astrology and the story that's written therein is idolatry? certainly not. What is idolatry is making it anthropomorphic and saying, okay, now, this great story is about some deity whose name is Jehovah, who's this bearded man who's angry and jealous. Now, that's an anthropomorphic nature. That's something, you know, and, and, and breaking it down to these little angels, which they, you know, uh, probably have some planet where they're coming from. Like Jehovah's Witnesses used to think that their deity lived on Alcyon. So Christianity's turned this story into this nativity scene. And they've taken everything literal and they've got history down to 6,000 years and Noah built an ark and saved all the the earth by putting all the animals on the ark, which is ridiculous and completely insane because there are literally millions, I don't know, maybe there are billions of species on the earth. Now, I, I admit a lot of them are in the water that maybe wouldn't have to save them, but the birds couldn't fly around for what, 40 days or 100 days without land? How long was it that, that the Earth was covered with water? And even if there was one little mountaintop somewhere, two birds survived. What about all the swallows? You know, maybe one uh, raven survived or something, and a dove, because he took them on the ark. But what about all the other species, and the magpie, and the star- starlet? And, and and what about all the li- various snakes, and lizards, and. Uh, Raccoons and rabbits and deer, buffalo and all that. He couldn't have gotten these millions of kangaroos, and various. First of all, if he lived in one area, how did he go to various places like Australia and get a kangaroo? If he was in a place where they didn't have kangaroos, or if he lived where they didn't have buffalo, how did he get a buffalo? And I know some people have gotten ways that they figured out how to do it. Maybe he only saved one of each of the families, and it's sort of a an evolutionary process that is not. Like, they don't believe in evolution, right? Where everything comes from a polywog, a ridiculous man. But they do believe that there is one animal that is a four-footed thing that could have a wide variety. So perhaps bears and dogs and and polar bears and grizzly bears and all that's one family. So he didn't have to bring one grizzly and a polar bear and a brown bear and a dog. Maybe they're all related. what about pigs? They're kind of related, like dogs. I mean, maybe just brought one animal, like a pig, that somehow had in its genes enough, you know, that that, that they could produce all these different types of animals and just one kind of bird and one kind. No, because if what they're saying, that Noah had the flood 4,000 years B.C., that's about 6,000 years ago. Well, no, it would have been about 4,000 years from now that that supposedly happened. And all of these varieties of species and stuff like that could not have, uh, the survival of the fittest and all that couldn't have happened in just 4,000 years. And we have fossils showing these animals that existed for millions of years, not just 6,000 years. So taking it literally is the anthropomorphic view. That is the apostasy. That is the idolatry, the Judean way. The nations never, ever, ever worshipped idols. Now, certainly there were individuals who began to worship idols. But who were they? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Colossians. He says that the Judeans worshipped angels because the law of Moses was, was the administration, right? Put the world under an administration of law handed by the angels. If you read the story, you'll see where our Heavenly Father says, Because you wouldn't listen to me, I'm sending forth mine angel. My name is in him, the I am. But he is the lower I am. He's egotistical. He wants vengeance. He will not pardon your sins because you rejected me. So I I asked you to follow me. Moses, who had the higher priesthood, who got it from Melchizedek, you know, Ruel, who, by the way, Moses married Ruel's daughter, Miriam, and we're going to find out this Miriam is Mary and it's the same as the Samiramis, who was with Nimrod. Well, how could that be? Christians don't understand any hey, of this. Nimrod's a bad guy. Right? We were, the other day we were talking about Osiris, Isis, and, and, and Horus being Jesus and his father and mother. How could that be? That's paganism. This is what we're told from the story of Hislop, you know, and the two Babylons. All of Christianity believe now they've been converted. They believe now that their religion, the Gentile, pagan religion, the nations all around the world, that astrology and all of this stuff, the magic, the magic practicing priest that Daniel was ahead of. All of that. Jesus, born of the virgin, right? Died and went to hell and raised again. Turned the water into wine like Dionysus. Which is, some say, Osiris. But all of this is the Pagan. Yeah, it's pagan. It's called pagan. That's a word. It means Gentile. We're the Gentiles. But the gospel went to the Gentiles. Why? Because the Judeans were worshiping Yahweh. Jesus said, your your de- your devils, the- your deity is the devil and he's a liar and he's a murderer. He's killing you. What kind of a deity? You ask for bread and he gives you serpents. Oh my goodness, you people. He says, come unto me. Bring the children unto me. And I'm going to show you exactly why he said that. Why he said bring the children specifically? Why he was talking about feeding them? Why he said break my body? This is my body, and this is the bread. Paul, oh, you're gonna when you find out the truth that the Judean, Judeo-Christian religion has been hiding from you, this lower Aaronic priesthood, who is from their father, the devil, and wish to do the desires of their father. You will rejoice. So. This Hislop in the two Babylons? He is trying to show and prove that Christianity today is all pagan. Well, yay! Thank you. We do you need a whole bunch of philosophy and and all the historical you know points and and and, and a whole book and 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 hundreds of years of shunning and disfellowshipping and edicts and. And, and paper bulls and anathemas and, and inquisitions to martyr out the people who believed in this stuff because it, you can just prove that it's pagan? So what? Pagan is what we are. That's what the whole New Testament's about. Judaism is blind. He says when the Israel today, the Jews that he was talking to, the other ones were scattered. When they read the Bible, they read it with a veil on their face. Why? Because Moses saw, being a Melchizedek priest, he saw the light. He saw the true deity upon Mount Horeb, Orb, the Aura, the Light, and he came down to give him the sacred pronouncement or the Word. It wasn't commandments. He didn't bring down some commandments, some instructions. He only brought down the Holy Word, which is Jesus Himself. The message of the of the Father and his pure divine word. You see, Jesus brought that word. That was the word incarnate. Well, Moses tried to bring that, the the great word, the pronouncements, the holy pronouncements. It says in Acts chapter 7, Amos chapter 5, that they rejected it. And they put some gold, they worshipped gold, put it in the fire, and it came out a calf, a bull. Oh, Baal. They worship Baal as a bull. And who is that? What's well, the son of Yahweh? Mm-hmm. The Antichrist. That's their, the son of the, 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 their, their manifestation of their deity. It just came out of the fire. Why the fire? Because the fire is suffering and, 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 the, and the torture and the evil in this world and the darkness. And so this Yahweh came down on a mountain of fire and darkness and thick gloom. And the people said, Oh, he's going to kill everybody. <laughs> and Moses says, Oh, Lord. Please don't kill everybody. What about your reputation? And Moses. But when? how did Moses get to this place where he's talking to this vile, evil Satan when he's up on Mount Horeb? Well, he brought the, the, the pronouncements down, and the people could not look upon him, even to hear the pronouncements of the Heavenly Father. They said, Oh, it's too bright. You look, because Moses had been in the presence of the truth, and he shone like the light. Well, did he really? Or is it trying to tell us that he was, he had, he had these the sacred pronouncements of love? It's so simple, right? It wasn't complicated and dark little hues and all these dark sayings and wickedness and, and hard to understand. It was just, I love you. I love you. And just love your neighbor. But the people said, oh, I can't handle that. I'm angry. Within my being. I want justice. My neighbor stole something from me. I've got to kill him now. I have the right. An eye for eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is what we will worship. They couldn't bear to look upon the truth, the love, the light. They weren't ready for it. So, Moses had to veil himself. And who what? was himself? The light. The light that was he absorbed just by being in the presence of the truth. And when he came to explain this wonderful truth, they couldn't bear it. So he had to veil it. And he gave them what we have today, which is language, the spell that you're under. They spell it. Commandments and instructions and, and curses from this deity who said his name was jealous. Because they wouldn't accept that horrible truth. So he went up Mount Sinai, which means Shin. In Hebrew, means means the moon. And it was a lesser light. It wasn't darkness, okay? It caused some order. It gave people some instructions, right? But it wasn't love. It wasn't the pure light. It was just reflection of the light. And so it had shadows. And there were doctrines and intricate details. And these Ten Commandments turned into 613. Six and one is seven and three is ten. No matter how many times you make more laws, it all comes up to ten because ten is the complete, absolute engulfing control of this physical world. It's like you have ten fingers. It's all of your actions in this material world. And so, there are ten horns on the beast because those ten powers or those horns that he gores you with, that carnal Mm -hmm. nature is those laws and they speak blasphemies. So, he went up Mount Sinai, or the moon. This is the, the, the winter solstice. There's a mountain at the bottom of the wheel. Well, he had been up on the summer solstice, right up in the heavens, up on the top side of the wheel, up in the air. Right? Now he went down into the sea, because on the bottom of the wheel is, the, is beneath, beneath the waters. The land is in the middle, the sky is above, the, the, the waters beneath, and the great abyss is where the beast comes. And so he went all the way down into the abyss and he met the devil and the devil told him, look, we're going to make we're going to veil the truth. Darkness is going to veil the light. We're going to go into winter. Everything's going to die. You better prepare. You better learn from this. So the people weren't ready for the truth so he gave them not lies but a veiled esoteric teaching that with, with that one day they would recognize the Christ because even Moses said, one will come after me who is like me and you will hear him. One day when you're ready to take off the blinders and, you know, lift up the veil and look in through the veil. When Christ died, the veil was rent and look through the veil that we have boldness to enter into his throne. And there in the holy, most holy is this light, the Shekinah, the glory And Paul says we look into that Shekinah glory as though in a mirror and we see the face of the Divine One staring back at us. Oh, we got to look inside. So this higher priesthood is glorious but the people of Israel rejected it. But wait a minute. We said that this Melchizedek priesthood was at Bethel. Okay, We're imagining that to be a little a little country there called Israel today. It's a little place below Lebanon over there, this little, I don't know, very small little area about the size of New Hampshire. And we picture that somewhere around in the the lower, kind of in the middle, but the lower half of that country, there's a place called Jerusalem. And just a few miles north, remember, Judah and Ephraim, they have a border with each other. So on the southern side of the line, Right? Bethlehem, which is the line. On the southern side is Jerusalem. Bethlehem's not that far from Jerusalem. And so that's the kingdom of the south. But it's in the center. Okay, It's supposed to be the great city, but it's just in the south because it's telling you that it's been blinded with all kinds of laws. Shiloh is there. And the tent of Molech is there, which is the Melchizedek priesthood. But they're worshipping and they've defiled it. So, over the border into Ephraim is Beth-El, the house of El. This is where all the prophets dwelt. The school of the prophets was given to us by Elihu and his student, Elisha, which went to Greece, up around Bacchius or Dionysius, the temple there, right on the ruins of Baal, deck, Right? on the ruins of Baalbek. And that is where Elisha and Elijah went and defeated Baal. And there they set up Mount Carmel and the Nazarite order of Melchizedek. And so Jesus was from Nazareth and was married to some particular woman. I don't think we're going to get, we're going to have enough time to claim all of this, but just little pieces. He married this woman at the wedding at Cana. Cana is also very similar to Canaanite, but it also has to do with cannabis. And so the wedding had to do with a higher consciousness. We have to attain into a higher consciousness and we have to eat of the bread of the Lord, right? His own body. I'll explain to you how Jesus' body was the cannabis, that by eating it, one had higher consciousness, and was wed to the spiritual but yeah there are literal f- events we know that there's literal events that where they act out the more esoteric truth the truth is in the spiritual okay but this doesn't take away the fact that we're physically here this doesn't change the fact that we have patriarchs and we have fathers and we follow individuals who taught the truth and we honor them they are our elders so how did this Melchizedek priesthood get to Japan, and India, and uh, Africa, and South America, and North America, and China, Australia, the nations? How did it get there? Well, remember, Bethel was the capital, the gate of El, of this Melchizedek priesthood, and they, their priests were called prophets. David went up to Bethel and got a a ephod, which is an oracle to speak to the Lord, but he didn't speak to Yahweh. He got a different oracle from, there's a little town called the town of Nob, and there were these priests that worshipped at Bethel. They were a higher priesthood of Melchizedek. We know that Samuel was one of them, and Samson was one of them, and Deborah, who was the mother of Israel, was the one who started most of this. And we had Gideon, And that's a whole beautiful study that one day we're going to get into, that Gideon and Jephthah and all of that. Oh, brother. It's going to teach us so many things. That's where the stars fought from heaven. But how did this great priesthood of Bethel get all the way around the world? For one, that wasn't the only place that the priesthood went. Remember, the priests went from Shem all around the world one of Shem's son, sons was Asher and that is where we get the word Osiris and we'll tell you about that in a minute and so Osiris was or Asher was a time was right around the time of Nimrod in fact the Bible tells us that Nimrod built Assyria or Asher but there's a twist to that and so these this priesthood was already in the world it was the children Right, and they had that particular priesthood, it was handed on from father to son. If Shem was the first of the Melchizedek priesthood, then his son Melech and Shiloh, you see, until Shiloh come or the son of Shem, Shem means the name. And so, at the Tower of Babel, they said, We let it come, let us make a Migdal. And remember, Mary Magdal was the high priest or the holy, holy harlot who was at the tower and there's only one tower in the Bible and that is the Migdal Tower, Mary of Magdal, the Tower of Babel. So she was the high priestess of Babel. This is where we get the woman that sits upon, or Babylon, right, who sits upon this beast and she controls and reigns, but the ten horns, the blasphemies, the evil, they hate the harlot. And they burn up her flesh and burn her with fire. Well, they did that with Jezebel too. But um, why was this why was this holy harlot riding the beast in the first place? Well, Yahweh came along and began to humiliate Inanna, Ishtar, Estarte. You you've read it even in the Jewish parables of. Uh, Queen Esther, who was taken to this faraway place and this evil deity wanted to marry her. but she had to be you know it was was bringing everyone into bondage. and Easter saved the kingdom just like Estarte, who went down into hell and went through the seven veils. and some say nine. now uh, Mary Magdalene had seven demons okay this is the same same story. she went to hell, that's where she got the demons. And Jesus had to go down there and rescue her. This is the same story of Inanna and Ishtar. And it's the same story of Semiramis, as well as Isis and Aphrodite and all of these others. But the story then all starts from an original story. And originally it was Nimrod. Remember, Nimrod was the son of Cush, who was the son of Ham. So how could this, this man from Ham, because we're constrained to think, oh, well, Shem, it's got to be from Shem or it's not okay, right? Ham was cursed. Well, no, Ham wasn't cursed. His son was cursed. But what it is is that Ham represents the flesh, and the flesh is prone to doing a lot of things because it's divorced from the spirit, right? So Shem represents the house of the Lord, the light body. The one who comes, right? Who has the legal right, Shiloh, the the rest. Because they have to marry the spirit. So, if you look in the book of Jubilees, now, this is interesting too, because I talked about this misinformation. We don't know anything about all this because we're speculating and reading people like whoever that guy's name, Hislop, who did the two Babylon's, and and it's confusing us and trying to convince us from faulty arguments, faulty foundations. First of all, that being a pagan or believing in this virgin birth and all the rest of that is wrong in the first place. Well, it's not. It's, that's a twisted foundation to start on. Okay? So if we, first of all, we know that this this story has got to be the true story, the story of the birth of Jesus, who is Tammuz, then we can understand why Yahweh was so upset with him, because they were looking towards the east. There were 24, 25 elders that were had their back to the temple and were looking to the east. In other words, they had rejected Judaism and they were looking to the east. Well, what's in the east? Well, that's where, you know, Keturah went, to the east. And Midian and... But we'll say... We'll, so so there was a pre-Melchizedek priesthood. In other words, all of that to Shem, the very first person that, from the flood. Right? They got off the boat. But it was, you know, after what, maybe a thousand years, it it may have, you know, fallen, just like Judaism. They got, maybe sometimes they even got involved in, in idolatry, just like everybody else, started worshiping the sun and the moon and stars because they didn't understand what they are doing anymore. So this is why the Lord always sent prophets to all of them. In fact, all of the prophets are from Israel, from Elihu, who was of the Melchizedek priesthood. And he started the school of the prophets, and they went into all the world. And if you notice, that they went to different places around the world, just like the apostles, they all went to different places around the world. They were, they were, each of the twelve apostles, were for each of the twelve tribes, and they went on the circuit of Galilee to preach, which is the circuit of the world. Okay, they went. They didn't just go up to Galilee, this little lake. The Galilee means the entire circuit of the world, and the hub was Egypt, or the the. The Great Pyramid, which is the uh, Makpula, which is this bordis cave. And it's supposed to be the center of, or the navel of the earth. And below the Great Pyramid is a pit. And there's a great labyrinth that goes all the way down to originally where uh, Meru, this lake, and it was this Mount Meru. And then they changed the word to this MR, this word Meru, they they started building fake or <laughs> they started building mountains called pyramids and they called them MRS or Moras and so David was on the Mount Moriah right but all of the two tribes Judah and Benjamin they worshipped at one place and they was that's the, so that represents the southern the lower half down below in the abyss where Yahweh reigns. But the northern tribes represents the higher understanding, and they had the higher priesthood. So, how did the priesthood at Bethel have to do with priesthoods that may have gone to the Assyrians, Asher, or Japan, or something maybe thousands of years before? Well, remember at the Tower of, or at the, the time of the flood, right at the flood, Noah and his three sons, they had their children, and they spread, and they drew lots. Japheth got the north, which where it was cold. Shem got the middle, where it was neither cold nor hot. And Ham got the south, where it was hot. And so they went. Now, at the Tower of Babel, they still hadn't gone yet, because they were all together in one place, in the land of Shinar. By the way, the land Shinar is our word summer. It's just, they're the same word, just come down to us in different languages, but Shinar is the same as Shmar, sum, summer. And so, Remember, the first city they built was down there at Ur, or Or, the light. And this was also a tower of, or a gate of El. And remember, Abraham was there, and so was Nimrod. And all of them, Noah, all of them there, and they all spoke one language, and they were in unity. And they said, let us make a Migdal, a tower, to make a name for ourselves. I thought it was interesting about the word ourself that's in that original writing if you look it up on Strong's Concordance because the word first of all the word Shem means a name for ourselves or Shem to make a Shem what is the Shem? Well it is some authority isn't it? And so Judeans today say they won't say Yahweh they'll only say Hashem but they wanted to make a name a holy name for ourselves. It's not translated. If you look in the the Greek interlinear, they don't translate the word for ourselves. They translate it. It's in the text for ourselves. Name for ourselves. But they don't sort of they, they, they I don't know why, but there's no way to click on that to find out what that word really means, the root of it. Now, elsewhere in the Bible, there's a word that has this, it's it's a uh, lana, I think it is. And in another place in the Bible it does have it but it has it's in a different tense Ka Halana or something and there they say to us it's translated to us and they'll tell you the root of it means to us but in that particular one I think it's in Psalms it might be Psalms 110 or something but it's talking about the Melchizedek Priesthood the name is the name or the higher glory of the Melchizedek Priesthood so, now we understand why Mary, which is a Miriam, or which, as we have seen in Greek, means a Lord, right? means the Lord, Mister, all these words we take, you know, like Master, Lady, Madame. These are titles of Majesty. And so, it's not a name, it's a title, Mary. That's why there's so many Marys. Moses married a Mary of the higher priesthood, from Jethro, from Ruel. And Miriamus was the first of these high priests. And where is the first place that they had some sort of religion or or trying to gain knowledge after the flood was the Tower of the Gate of El, Babel. And so, Samiriamus was the high priestess. And just like Isis, who put back her husband. So, Nimrod was cut into 14 pieces, just like Osiris why? Well the 14 pieces has to do with the waxing and the waning of the moon. The moon will wane for 14 days and wax for 14 days because it takes 28 days to go around 14 to 14 is 28. So when the sun was in the sky and it would come down to the horizon they knew that it was about to go down and that would be the great sun that was now taken over by the dark spirit because it went out. So, Set or Satan destroyed the glorious Osiris. Right? He he was the grandson. The grandson. No, he was the great son, right, who was put out. Who was killed. And then they noticed that the moon went from a full moon and it started waxing. For 14 days. This is what the set or the darkness or the also called typhoon or the storm, right? The dark clouds, the the gloom of Yahweh. He came in and started cutting and beating this sun, our salvation that gives light and gives us food, bread, which is what we're going to talk about here in a minute. It was the cycles of rebirth. So they noticed that the sun had this, by the time, you know, it had these, it got smaller and smaller, the crescent, and over 14 days, and then it starts uh, Then it started waxing and getting bigger and bigger until it became a full moon. And they understood that to mean that in the night, there was a illumination, and it was, it was, uh, they called that a woman. If you looked at Hathor, she always has a hat with the moon on top of her head. And we also have, uh, you know, Ishtar and those that are represented as the moon. So when they went down into hell, they're represented as the moon. And they're shining, but their brightness goes, you know, in order to, you know, she went down there to save the world, right? To get the may from Yahweh or the law. Yeah, that's another story we can't get into, but there's so many, you know, versions of it throughout the, the pagan religions. But it's the moon waning. And so Isis puts Osiris back together again, all 14 pieces over 14 days. And when she gets him all together, the last piece she finds is the phallus symbol. And the seed is spilled on the ground and the rains come down, because this is the beginning of the rainy season, right? And the rains come down from the heavens, from the Father. Your Anos, Anu, heaven. And the fertility then begins to grow and all the bread and the grain grows. And in Egypt, they beloved the, their, their bread, you see, and their wine. And so the wine and the bread then was harvested and they rejoiced. And so Jesus said, This is my body, break ye, for my body was broken for thee. So Jesus then, as the sun, when he went down, you couldn't see a sun no more because it was dark. So here he was in the body of, in the unity with his wife. They were down in hell, and she began to lose over 14 days, she began to to die. And the body then of, of Osiris was the moon, because he was a moon deity and a sun deity, because he was the moon and then he was the sun. But when he was the moon, he was being chopped up. In the darkness, he was being broken for you. Why? Because as he is broken, our mother puts him back together again, and the sun rises as Horus on the horizon. And Set's on the other end as Set or Satan who kills the sun. So this was a story about rebirth and about the rebirth that happens in all of us because remember Osiris had So remember the priests in Egypt would they would um, have this festival on Easter time where they would give these cross, bun, cross buns, their little cakes with a little cross on it, and they would take it and they would eat it and they'd say, Take, this is my body, the body of Osiris. And he was also called uh, Samaria, and he was also called Serapis Christ. And they would eat the wafer... And they would break it. Now, there are different ceremonies. There are statements in Egyptian writings that says they would break it into 14 pieces. Which is how many times or 14 days that the moon is broken down until you can't see it anymore. And it dies. And remember, Ishtar or Inanna, when she went down to the bottom and lost all seven of her her veils and was naked. They hung her on a, on a hook at the very bottom of the wheel. So this death and resurrection isn't just Jesus, but it, it has to do also with the Holy Mother. And so this is why in the Bible we have Jesus and Mary Magdala, who was the priestess of the Tower of Abel. And as Noah married Naamah, who was the daughter of Cain, the lower Nature has to be wedded In a union with the spirit So Jesus went down there And died with her To bring her out And they came out and conquered together Because it was by the valiant uh, Because it was Because of the The heroic and Courageous Actions of The Holy Mother that we have salvation because you see, when uh, Satan came and killed Jesus, it was Mary Magdalene that was at the tomb with the spices and the embalming and she anointed her husband for death. And this and, and this anointing represents the Holy Spirit, which is the third member of the Divine Trinity. And so, Jesus was one with his father. He was the divine image and one with his father. And Mary Magdalene was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And they together, the Holy Spirit and the anointing upon Osiris, they they pulled off the resurrection. So, what they did was determined. But the Egyptians have stories where they would break the bread into 72 pieces i think there is another one where they do it for 42 but these of course are numbers of astrology there are 72 completely of these deacons that reign in the houses but this is why jesus chose 12 and 72 also but ultimately this is all of the body of of the divine being, and it isn't just one person. Jesus is the head; we are the members, and the toe cannot, the head cannot say unto the toe, "I have no need of thee." So even if you're just a little toe, you're part of the body. And how many are there? Well, there's 144,000 that stand on Mount Zion, and they have their white robes, and they are married. They are virgins. There, it's the marriage of the Lamb. So. This great wedding is the uniting of the spirit and the flesh in the one body. And therefore, the Mother Earth saves the Christ who goes down as the moon. And so she's considered Mother Earth. And so Mother Earth gives birth like a virgin to this child who then is destroyed by the darkness and goes down in winter, but through its divine providence, and through the help of our mother in heaven, this Holy Spirit, and this union, they come back and Osiris is born again as his own son, Horus, on the horizon, and all of the, in spring, all of the vegetation begins to grow and this is the, the birth then of this union, this sun, this child Horus and we partake of this body that was broken for us so sometimes it's broken into 14 pieces to represent the moon being waxing and waning and other times it's broken into pieces to show that the body is all of the governance because what they would do in Egypt is they would, they had these little places called gnomes and it was, I think, originally 14 of these gnomes, and other, then later they, it grew to 48 and I think to 72. And it's the gnome, or the name, or the Shem, or the priesthood. And this is where they would eat and partake of the body and blood, which is the, 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 the bread and the wine of earth that we might be nurtured, a vegetarian diet provided by the Lord. We don't need meat at all. So, going back then to Nimrod, and it looks like we're already over an hour, but uh, I have to try and finish this up because the whole story was to be about Nimrod. There is no story in the Bible that says Nimrod did all of these things. It doesn't mention Semiramis, but we do have from uh, extra-biblical sources, we understand that there was uh, always known to be a... That, that it was known that though may maybe sometimes by different names, we know that Nimrod was married to Semiramis. And Semiramis had a child named Tammuz. And so in some places he's called the Muzi. And, and by the way, the word Tammuz and the Muzi means the good shepherd. And he is the one who stands before the divine father. And he will be your advocate and let you in whereas the devil is your adversary and tries to keep you out but Tammuz then was the one that they were weeping for because they loved him and there's also places in the bible where it says the Israelites are saying did we not have it much better when we worshiped Estarte but now that we're worshiping Yahweh in the darkness we're we're dying and he's revengeful and wrathful and he's killing us all let's go back to Estarte well, what happened was, the children of Israel in the northern part, the ten tribes, the lost ten tribes, they were called the lost tribes because Assyria, uh, or Asher, came and took them and planted them in a place called Nineveh. Nineveh is one of the cities that Nimrod was supposed to have built. Well, in their teachings or in their histories, they call it Nineveh. Well, Nina, sometimes N's or M's, so Nima. And Ninas built Nineveh, and that's why it takes upon his name. And his wife was Samiramus, And we know it's an interesting story because Samiramus was originally married to, according to the Assyrians, Oannes. Well, guess what? Oannes is the fish, right? Janus, January down there in the bottom, in the in the water. And who is that? The flood, right? Oana, Noah. Yeah. Oanus is Noah, Janu, Anu, Noah. And so this Samarimus then was married to Noah, or Oanus. And so this Ninus asked Noah if he could have her in the story that they have. Our Bible tells a little bit different story there, but, I mean, a different parable about how he acquired this woman. But Noah said, no, he can't have this woman. And so, uh, Nimrod takes her anyway, and I guess Oannes dies or whatever, so he takes her, and then they end up producing... This other kid they call nayas or something, but I think it's just another of their, you know, because they have different, in different places, they use different languages and stuff like this. So we can assume this is Tammuz that was born. But what I thought it was interesting is that they do have this story. So then Semiramis goes and becomes the queen of Babel because this is all, you know, Nineveh and Babylon is real close together and we're. Abraham and Terah and Haran was originally, was at Babylon. And even the book of Jubilee says that um, Terah and Nimrod were working together. And they had all one language and they were trying to get to... Just anything about Nimrod being bad. Now, in our Bible, it says Nimrod is the mighty hunter who was before who is the mighty hunter in the presence of the Lord Yahweh. So, in our Bible, so in the Judean Old Testament Bible, it says that Nimrod was the mighty hunter before the Lord, before Yahweh. Now, it's difficult to translate that because that word is face, in the face of Yahweh. So some would say, oh, it means against. It can be. It's a tricky word. It can also mean in the presence of, with a full knowledge of. And there are certainly other verses and many legends that say that Nimrod wasn't bad at all. In fact, some legends say that Nimrod had nothing to do with building the ta- the tower. That it was actually Semiramis. But I don't think that's true. I think he did build the tower and Semiramis took over the, the kingdom, became queen after he died by means of her son Tammuz. But The question then pops up that if Nimrod is Osiris, um, isn't he the son of Cush, the son of Ham? Well, in the book of Jubilees, it gives more detail. And it says that Shem had a son who married the daughter of Japheth from Susan. And that's an important place, Susan. Because that's the city up in Syria that in Jesus' day they called the city of Nain. And the woman of Nain, which was a widow, Jesus raised up her son. Well, it's the same story as Elisha raising up the woman from the widow woman from Susa. And this is that place up in Syria, which had the true priesthood. And so this particular woman was married to her, this woman, this widow then, who was her son, her son was Shiloh, or the city of peace, or the child Shalom, that is the son of Shem, right, or the destined one. So, what's interesting is that their child then is so their child then was Eber, which is where we get the Hebrews. So the Hebrews are from The male lion of Shem and the female lion of Japheth. Because remember, they're all going to be saved in one house. But the woman doesn't represent the physical house. Shem shall be the house and the Lord shall dwell therein. Blessed be Japheth. But the Lord, now I just found this out the other day, because a lot of translations say, and Japheth shall be in Shem's tent. But one translation is that it was the Lord that will be in Shem's tent. But blessed be Japheth. So Japheth then is these nations. And so when the gospel went to the nations, it really went to Japheth, up into Europe, which is interesting. Why didn't it go to Africa and China? Well, eventually it will. That's the restoration at the end or the latter days. But what we're getting to is that once we have this unity between Japheth and Shem, Then this child goes and marries the daughter of Nimrod, according to the Book of Jubilees. Now, why the daughter of Nimrod? Because Nimrod being from Ham means that the lower physical marries the higher spiritual. There must be a wedding. This has nothing to do with racism because nobody can really trace their lineage back to any of these ancient ones today anyway. But We're all saved in one house. But we also are all saved in one spirit. So our ancestor is both from the male and the the female. And we can't trace it only by means of just this male line. So Jacob becomes the house with the 12 houses. Right? The 12 tribes. But those tribes then are the home for the divine. For the divine being. And the woman then has to be married to these. This is why Dinah, the woman, Jacob had 12 sons, but he had one daughter. And Dinah went and married Sechem, which is a Canaanite. And their child was Asenath, and she married Joseph, who is the heir. And so Joseph, being the son of Abraham, back through Shem, marries the daughter of of Sichem the Canaanite, Asenath, that goes back to Cain. This is everywhere what we see. Noah marrying Naamah from Cain, right? In Genesis, it gives you the lineage of Cain down to Naamah. She got through the flood as Noah's wife or his concubine. Now, we have all the stories there. We have uh, Kronos who bit off the genitals of Uranus. Uranos, Noah, and Kronos, Father Time, as my good friend Joshua says, who is brings us into this material existence, which is the lower existence, but it's got to be married to the higher. So we've got this woman from this line, who is bound in these great walls of Jericho. The priesthood went around seven times. Melchizedek priesthood, by the way. They blew trumpets. They didn't do have any battle. They weren't the weapons of their warfare were not carnal and the walls came down and Joshua who represents Jesus right the leader of the Melchizedek priesthood he went and married Rahab the harlot who was also called Rahab the dragon Neammah the seven headed dragon or Tiamat and mat is matter and mother and material and T is like ki and gi that word means some form of the earth so it's Mother Earth. And so Noah being heaven, Mary's earth being material. And this is the story all the way down. So, yeah, Nimrod was of the male line of, of, of uh, Ham. And he produced a daughter who went and married into the male line of Shem. And everyone is represented and we're all in one body means of the christ and the holy spirit and the divine father and these three are one so i would like to tell you more about it because I, i really had plans to expand on some of this so maybe do more in another video but it's we're way over an hour i gotta go may the lord bless you guys i love you and we'll see you tomorrow have a good one